You're on EducateForLife.com radio with Kevin Conover. And if you listen long enough, your faith will become... I'm tired of being conned. Don't worry, the con is over, Shay. We're now at DEFCON 1. Did you say carnivore or carnivore? Would you like to have a conversation with Kevin? Then call 800-243-9719. And now, here's your host, Kevin Conover. Bring your time and bring your shame. Welcome to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. My website is educateforlife.org. My guest is all the way from Missouri today. Uh, his name is Mason Weaver, Clarence Mason. And uh, he's a former Black Panther, as well as a former kprz host here on the radio to how do you get those two together right <laughs> <laughs> both by accident yeah he met christ after a, a racist tried to kill him is that right yeah yeah he has been a congressional aide, government contract specialist and business owner he served in the u.s navy in vietnam and received the vietnam service medal with one bronze star after approximately 2800 pounds of steel and iron plates fell on him while on active duty right here in san diego the navy classified him disabled and discharged him between 1972 and 1975, he received degrees from Merritt College in Oakland, California, UC Berkeley. And after graduating from UC Berkeley with a degree in political science, he won a position with the U.S. Department of Energy. And uh, since then, he's negotiated many multi-million dollar government contracts with major contractors like TRW, General Dynamics. My father worked for General Dynamics and General Electric. And he's also written several books, which we're going to talk about today. Uh, one, It's Okay to Leave the Plantation. The New Underground Railroad. That is a controversial uh, title right there. Not politically correct yet. And uh, Tribalism, Truth Right Between the Lies. So thanks a lot for being here today. My pleasure, sir. Absolutely my pleasure. By the way, when I was on K-Praise, my uh, line was the truth right between the lies. It came about to be a book now. Yeah, that makes sense. That's fantastic. And now you you work with publishing, too. And, and uh, I publish books. I'm retired. I've, I've, published, I've self-published five books. So I... I Give authors a little help in how to get their books published and sold. See, anybody can be an author. Yeah. But what I am, I'm a book salesman. I make money selling the books, not writing the books. Okay, gotcha. Now, I'm really interested in your background because uh, you have a wild uh, kind of uh, travel path you took over time here. God took me through the wilderness. Yeah. <laughs> I've just been following the tower of, of smoke and the pillar of fire, but that's, that's all I've been doing. Now, he's taking me to places you know, I started. I joined the Navy the same day Dr. King was murdered, on April the fourth, nineteen sixty-eight, in a small little racist town. Not really racist town. I mean, probably one percent were racist. Yeah, that's enough though. Yeah, uh, I was told by my school uh, guidance counselor that even though I was eligible to graduate as a junior, that he would not let me graduate because he did not want me to take a seat from a more deserving white kid. Wow. And I was told by the basketball coach that even though I was a pretty good basketball, I mean, I played in the all-white league, and never knew how good I really was. You know yeah, I mean? yeah, but. <laughs> <laughs> but I was told I would not be starting because he did not want me to take a scholarship from white kids. So I dropped out of school, joined the Navy. Uh, I left for boot camp in, in June. Uh, I was in Vietnam by next June and did get a scratch on me, came back to San Diego, and a, a white racist shipmate looked me in the eye and pushed 2,800 pounds of steel over on me trying to kill me. And I could get the steel wall, broke both my hips, crushed my pelvis, Three wrists were broken, uh, internal injuries, organs, and everything was moved around. My, um, the Navy 
uh, classified me as permanently disabled. And I was at Belleville Hospital down here, and they didn't think I was going to make it. And the only thing that kept me alive was the burning desire to kill this guy. Oh, man. It was the only thing. I woke, I woke, up, I woke up for years yeah. with clenched teeth. Yeah. Angry, angry, angry. And uh, went to, I got discharged, went up to Merritt College, the founding campus of the Black Panther Party. I took a class of sociology with Melvin Newton, Huey Newton's older brother. And uh, immediately I was, I was drawn into the group because I was an angry black man. And yeah. so were they. I was a great orator. I was a good speaker. I made, made some great points. And so I, I, started, I started hanging with these guys because I hated America. I mean, I, America, I, I was done with America. I was yeah. done. Because of all that, because of what have happened to you, I was done. Now, now, uh, take us back even earlier than that. What was your family like? What was your upbringing like, as far as your mother and father? And uh, did you have brothers and sisters? I had a thousand brothers and sisters. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, my, I lived in St. Louis. My mother, my grandfather was a pastor in St. Louis, pretty well known pastor. Uh, we lived um, house to house. By the time I was in the fifth grade, I was in my fifth elementary school. I hung out with kids that today we would call a gang. I just hung out with them because that's who we were. We yeah, hung out. And I lived in the same neighborhood that Michael Spinks lived in and, and his brothers. And we fought each other because that's what guys did. And then we moved out and she got married to this pastor, uh, and Reverend Weaver. And he was a country guy. He didn't like the city. So he took us out of the, of the city into the deep, deep woods. Yeah. <laughs> in the foothills of the Ozark Mountains, a little small town. And I went to an all-white school. And all of a sudden, the teachers were not better in this white school system. Teachers just didn't care if you caught on or not. They were teaching to those who want to learn. I came out of a school system that didn't care if I learned. So when I got there, all of a sudden, I got to compete. And I started competing. And I had a brain. I started using my brain. Yeah. Academically, I called up everybody, and, and I was ready to graduate as a, as a junior. Yeah. It, was a, it was a great environment. Look, overall, fishing and swimming in the creek and hunting, and that was great when you're 11, 12 years old. Now, 15 or 16, those girls around a little different. But when you got to be you know, a little kid, it was a great place to be. But yeah. I got tired of it. I got tired of of the kids who the black kids who lived there accepted their role as black kids in the neighborhood. Mm. I never accepted my role as a black kid. I was a kid. Yeah. And we we you know You had we, no boundaries. I had none. Yeah. And they had boundaries on me. I yeah. had none on me. So it was yeah. a conflict. That's interesting. So um, when you were younger, were you already aware of uh, you know, the racism that was going on? Was that already an issue as a youngster? Or did that take uh, what happened here in San Diego? With I think that, that... every black child in America in the sixties knew about racism. Yeah, uh, every every black child, especially you know, you in a neighborhood, you in a community. Uh, you know, I was probably in the third or fourth grade before I saw my first white person. Oh wow! Before I remember seeing a white guy walk down the street, <laughs> I said, "And what did you think?" <laughs> I mean, it was. I said, "What? What is that?" That's <laughs> so funny. <laughs> you know, I mean. Even the teachers were black. No, it, it was a it was a very controlled sense. We moved out to the rural area. I had no real problems. Uh, I was called names by teachers, bus drivers, um, kids in school. Now the kids learned pretty quickly. They didn't do that. I, we, we were new. My brother and I were new to that community. Yeah. Uh, but we had lived in a neighborhood where five elementary school grades. You're a new kid on the block. They have to fight. So we. Expect Expected the fight. That the was, first yeah, it was going to happen. We expected it, so we, yeah, we yeah. dressed the fight. Yeah, and 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 the little white kids there, they grew up with the other black kids, and they were used to call them nigger and everything else. And we didn't. Uh, to us, that was 
That was the bully. That, that was just normal. No, that, no, no. You called me that. And we, that was the guy we had to fight. We were looking for the guy to fight. We came to school looking for the fight. The idea was to find the bully and beat him up first. Everybody leave you alone. <laughs> and even if the bully beat you up, you got a reputation. So we, were, we came to school looking, and this guy called me. We played baseball. I, I didn't know what a baseball bat was. Yeah. We had two by fours and a round off brick in St. Louis. We go to, to this little small town. They had a baseball bat. And a, and a baseball, I knocked over the fence three or four times, you know. And this guy was bragging, this new nigger named Mason. He's right in front of me. And when I decked him, he didn't expect to see it coming. Yeah. And every day, this guy would call me a different name, the colored boy, the black boy. And I would hit him every, t- every time, every day. He never flinched. He never ducked. He never expected it. He always apologized. He didn't expect a black man to ever hit him back. It was just strange to him. So finally... Monday through Monday, it was Monday morning again. The guy yeah. is in line, getting ready to go up to class. He taps me on the shoulder, and I turn around and get ready to fight. He said, no, no, hold on, man. I'm, I'm just sorry. I, I don't understand. I'm trying to be your friend. I'm trying to call you the right name. What name should I call you? <laughs> and his friend said, said, Mickey, if the guy knocked me down five days in a row, call him Mr. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> he never got it. Oh, my God. We fought. I went to high, the junior high school. We fought. That guy never got it. Huh. Now, have you ever talked to him since then? uh, High school, he went to the Air Force. I told him in the Air Force, you will be killed in the military. (laughs) They're going to kill you. (laughs) (laughs) That's crazy. Uh, Man, so so back there, dealing with these people, talking about this kind of stuff, and then you you end up at Berkeley, and you you get involved with the Black Panthers. Now, how long had the Black Panthers been in existence before when when you got involved? Oh, man, a couple years. We're coming up on a break here, so... But but my guest today is Mason Weaver, and uh, he has a, a interesting path that he's taken. He's today a Bible believing Christian, and uh, very conservative, uh, takes conservative positions. And uh, so we're hearing his story, and it's very interesting. I think it's important because we need to hear. You know, the majority of uh, blacks are Democrat, and why is that? And why Good did question. you change your position? Uh, that's an that's an important question we have to ask. And I think as conservatives, it's something that hasn't been answered well enough. Clearly, um, we're not doing the job we should Amen. when it comes to... Um, I love to hear what the job should be done. Winning people's votes. So that's love, what we're going to talk love about. Love to do that. So uh, we'll be right back. We're with Mason Weaver. Hi, this is Jason Hall, president of Team Home Loans, a branch of Synergy One Lending. I just want to take this opportunity to thank Kevin Conover for the profound impact he's had on mine and my wife's spiritual life, as well as being an incredible teacher while our kids were his students. His knowledge and passion have taught us all how important it is to be defenders of our faith. It's our honor and privilege to support Kevin and his show. It is our sincere hope and prayer that you will continue to learn to be defenders of your faith through Kevin's radio show and through his Educate for Life teaching. Thank you, Kevin, from the Hall family and Team Home Loans. What do leading local restaurants have in common? They depend on Express Fix Coffee for new and used coffee and espresso machines, repairs, and affordable monthly service. Dave Martin and his local team provide water filtration services too. Call San Diego's best espresso repair company, serving your home and business. Learn more online at expressfixcoffee.com. Call Express Fix Coffee at 619-867-3853. 619-867-3853. 
How can you live in San Diego and miss out on enjoying the water? Fast Lane Kayaking sells popular Hobie Cat kayaks that you pedal, not paddle. That means your hands are left free for fishing and fun. Just throw these on your roof rack. They're light and they're easy to use and maintain. Just rinse them off. Try one free on a demo ride. For 36 years, Ron and Debbie Lane have served San Diego with fun, family-friendly water sports of all kinds. Learn more. FastLaneSailing.com. 619-222-0766. When you need tires or service, count on Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service in Oceanside for a full range of affordable options in all the brands you trust. See their great customer reviews and special offers online. Hours Tuesday through Friday, 730 to 530, and Saturdays, 730 to 5. Call Dan and his team at 760-439-1631. Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service, 2405 Oceanside Boulevard in Oceanside, 760-439-1631. I will cast my cares on you. You're the Thanks for listening. Today, you're listening to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. My website's educateforlife.org where you can listen to a recording of this show if you haven't uh, been able to hear the whole thing. We just finished up our first segment with Mason Weaver, and uh, he is a former Black Panther, also a former radio host here, and KPRZ got his uh, start here in radio. And um, you can follow him uh, on Facebook. You can check him out on Facebook and uh, get his perspective, uh, his conservative Christian perspective. He's also got a website, ClarenceAMason.com, if you want to check him out, check out his books and uh, other stuff. He has an insight and perspective that you won't hear that often. And uh, Clarence, when we left off, we were talking about when the Black Panther Party started, mm-hmm. and uh, you got involved, and um, at that point, you were very angry about uh, what you had experienced, and some guy tried I to was, kill you. I'm more angry. Yeah. <laughs> I was a dangerous person. Yeah. Was, so dangerous. So what happened, when you got involved with the Black uh, Panthers, what what were they doing on campus? What was their goal on campus? Well, what were they trying to achieve? It wasn't even, even on campus. Uh, the, the Black Panther Party had a legitimate reason to exist, to be founded. They outgrew that eventually and turned to, to, to a gang, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in Oakland, cops were stopping black men when they were bored and made them fight each other. That's how bad it was. Wow. In, in Oakland, the cops did a drive-by of the headquarters. I don't mean, it, I don't mean a drive-by and shoot it. They, they actually stopped the car and got out the car and shot up the headquarters. And then they got back in their car again and rolled around the block and came back and got out the car again and shot that was Oakland. But when the Black Panther Party started, when they were started, they were a protective organization. You did not find prostitutes on Oakland streets. You did not see drug dealers on the Oakland streets. You didn't see anybody breaking somebody's house. Women could stand on the bus stops in Oakland and get the way they wanted to go to, be politely addressed and helped out. Then they got these millions of dollars in the food program and feeding the homeless program, and, and all of a sudden, <laughs> this money came in. And now all of a sudden they they go down to the to the liquor store and walk in the liquor store and tell the guy, uh, people may come and burn you down. You need to pay us four hundred bucks a month so we can protect you from uh, that. So they essentially becoming like a mafia. Yeah, they kind be, of thing. they became the wrong kind of guy. So I, I I was with them. I went to Vietnam so first. So they were they were starting off as a they oh, were yeah. actually protecting. people. Oh yeah. When they, when they walked around Oakland with guns. Yeah. And it used to follow cops. We we had scheduled times in our car to follow the patrol cars. We'll follow them and make sure they won't do their thing. To make sure, and when they stop somebody, we'll get out and be witnesses. And we'll stand there yeah. with our guns on. With guns on. Yeah. Uh, the march on on uh, Oakland courthouse that fueled the the ever growing California need to control guns. That was black men standing on the courthouse in Oakland with shotguns over their shoulders because we're being terrorized. Yeah. Now the cops stopped. The cops changed when that drive by happened 
at the headquarters on Grand, they, the, the, those cops were arrested and fired and charged. The chief cleaned it up and stopped it. Cops would come out and call you, boy. Cops would come by and make you clean up the trash in front of the, uh, in front of the school or something. They, they would just, they're, they're around herd. Yeah. And men don't take that too long. As grown men, yeah. we fought back. And then it spread across the country. But eventually, it outgrew what it was. I see what you're saying. Now, how does that compare to Black Lives Matter and what's, ha- what's well, happening with that whole, whole movie? Black Lives Matter is a communist fuel insurgency. Uh, uh, um, I call them Black Lives Matter. Because a lot of people would say that what the Black, Black Panther Party was doing at that time, what you just described, they would say that Black Lives Matter has the same— Well, uh, where, where are the cops now making black men fight for entertainment? Where, yeah. where are the cops now doing drive-by shootings? Where, where, I mean, the, the main problem, if you're a black female standing on a corner in inner city— Chicago, yeah. your biggest threat is the black man, not the cop. Mm. Yeah, because they talk the about that, the blacks killing blacks in Chicago. Of course. Yeah. In St. Louis, too. The real problem is not cops. The real problem is, is those thug babies you raised and grew up with with no dad in the house. Mm. That's the real problem. And the Black Panther Party, we were protective of the community. Black Lives Matter is stopping black folks from going to work by blocking the freeway. Mm. They, they have no redeeming qualities. These are made by lesbian women who hate men and they try to destroy the community. I call them self-hating black people. They have no redeeming qualities, nothing positive about them. I call them Black Lives Matter. Okay, that's good to know because I think a lot of people would be very confused about that. I had a, I, I had a few guys on the show a little while back, young guys, high school guys, uh, black guys who – we were having this discussion about is racism the big problem that's facing the black community today, and and their their viewpoint that I heard most mostly was, hey, um, yeah, Black Lives Matter is an important thing because what's happening is the cops are abusing are, are abusing the, the you know the black community, and but you're saying that's not true. Cops are abusing criminals. <laughs> They're abusing black criminals. <laughs> I mean, police in the black neighborhoods more than likely are protecting black women from black men. Okay, that's 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 the problem. The, Racism, folks, racism today is irrelevant. Really? Of course. What could you do if you're racist to me today? What can you do? What you going to do? Come down my neighborhood if you wish and burn a cross in my yard if you wish. <laughs> if that makes you feel good, come on down and do that. I mean, what you going to do? What? You, you, can't, you can't stop me from getting a job. Yeah. You can't stop me from going to college. You can't stop me from marrying who I want to marry, white woman, black woman. You can't. There is no effect, no power. And what Black Lives Matter are saying, if you listen to them, yeah whining about everything what they're saying is that every problem facing black people require white people to do something they are saying that black people are inferior to the white people mm. and our only hope is to beg you for a little crumb and they're demanding minimum wage not maximum wage they're demanding low-income housing not high-income housing black lives matter are are inferior they are they're self-hating and they have an inferiority complex for their, for their own race is this message that you're speaking right here, is this a message that is getting out there or is this, is this, uh, I mean, if you share this, this position, are, is the black community uh, accepting of what you're saying or well, are they rejecting that message? Understand, there is no black community. Okay. Uh, black people have never formed a community yet. Our community was given to us by a slave master. Mm. All of our traditions are slave master tradition. Uh, education wasn't, was not important on the plantation, not important in the black community. Uh, getting married was not important. Making babies was on the plantation. And now making babies is more important than getting married. Uh, afraid to go to work. Don't want to work. All those things. Even our food, our diet. No black man in Africa purposely killed a pig and squeezed the crap out the guts and made chitlins. That was a master diet he gave us. Master wanted black men to be strong and make babies and die when they retire. Today, you got black men, the, the most athletic men in America are black men. 
At 18, nobody beats us in football, basketball, hockey. Nobody beats us in anything, singing, dancing. But at 69, we are average. At life of our expectancy is 69. We die at age 69. I With not know that. Black women, you can tell any man on this planet, any male over 12 years old, so-and-so has a black woman's figure. And every man on planet Earth knows exactly what you mean at 15. But age 30, mama's 200 pounds mm. and died of high blood pressure. That's master's diet. That's not our diet. We don't have a black culture. We have a, we have a slave master's culture. But some blacks are Christian, some blacks are not. What they do, those who don't like what I'm saying attack me. That's their business. Those who do like what I'm saying adjust to it. I'm talking about success. Yeah. Success is a personal journey, not a group journey. And the fight for it is a group journey, but success got to be personal. And th- this is why you titled your book, um, It's Okay to Leave the Plantation. Is yes, that sir. what you're saying? Exactly. So y- Master won't tell you it's okay, Yeah, but it is okay to leave it. Wow. So you're saying that, that, that the way you're acting is the way that you are told to act. And, and encouraged. Black folks kept each other down. You hear, go to Walmart and sit at the bench and yeah. watch those black women come with those kids. And this is what they say. Come here, boy, and quit acting smart. Who would tell their child to stop acting smart? Mm. The reason why was that being smart was dangerous. It was against the law for black folks to read. Wow. It was a 40 lashes if you caught reading. Yeah. It was against the law to do what I'm doing right now. Look a white man in the eye was 40 lashes. That's why black folks look at your feet to talk. Oh. It was against the law to show intelligence. That you would come through the neighborhood and burn the whole neighborhood down if I go downtown and speak pro- proper English. So they kept each other in check. Don't talk up to white folks. Don't talk to white people. Don't speak proper English. Yeah. That's a slave culture. It's not my culture. Wow, that's amazing. And uh, so what, at what point were you able to figure this out? Because you were, you were a part of the Black Panthers, and you were very— Black very, Student Union. I was, I was a militant, a yeah. revolutionary. I spoke Swahili. So uh, at that time, were you, were you essentially um, conforming to what you're telling—what right now you're telling me this is—get off the plantation? Were you conforming to that plantation? I, I, I was experimenting in it because uh-huh. I was angry. I wanted to win. Yeah. And I looked around and I noticed something. Everybody was telling me how bad it was being black. Yeah. Everyone was saying the white man got you down. Everyone was singing that same old tune, white man got me down, down song. And, and I began to notice though, everything black men think we can do. Yeah. If we believe we can play football, in spite of white men don't want us to, if we believe we can play basketball and baseball, I saw Jack Johnson Knocking out white men in the South, married to white women at the same time in the yeah. South, Alabama. Yeah. yeah. Knocking, out, yeah. knocking out white men and, <laughs> and, and, and marrying their sister. That's a brother. Yeah, I, I saw, I saw a Charlie Pride singing country western in Mississippi. <laughs> so you said, you said, come on, come something, on. Something doesn't make sense. Come here. on now. I'm saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> he became the country western singer of the decade. So I, I figured, Okay, there's got to be something else to this. I got to hold on, hold on. There's got to be something else to this. We're going to be right back. My guest today is Mason Weaver, all the way from Missouri. And uh, we're hearing some uh, perspective on history here that's fantastic. And uh, stay with us. We're going to be right back. Before I bring my need, I will bring my heart. 
Hi, this is Kevin Conover. Will you please donate to Educate for Life so we can share the truth of God's word with kids in public schools? You can donate online at donatetoefl.org. The Bible used to be read in public schools on a regular basis prior to the 1960s. But today, most kids are completely clueless when it comes to the content and the historical and scientific accuracy of the Bible. Please help us by donating online at donatetoefl.org. Hi, this is Jason Hall, president of Team Home Loans, a branch of Synergy One Lending. I just want to take this opportunity to thank Kevin Conover for the profound impact he's had on mine and my wife's spiritual life, as well as being an incredible teacher while our kids were his students. His knowledge and passion have taught us all how important it is to be defenders of our faith. It's our honor and privilege to support Kevin and his show. It is our sincere hope and prayer that you will continue to learn to be defenders of your faith through Kevin's radio show and through his Educate for Life teaching. Thank you, Kevin, from the Hall family and Team Home Loans. Hi, I'm Marissa Conover, and I would love to help you buy or sell your home. I've worked as a realtor for more than 13 years, and as a San Diego native, my passion and experience will help make your move as peaceful as can be. Call me at 619-251-1577. That's 619-251-1577. Or visit conoverhomes.com. This is Throughout All Ages Ministry with Joe and Stacy. We would like to equip you to share the gospel with confidence in a biblical and effective way. We would like to teach you through the proclamation of the gospel. Whether you're the skeptic, God who created you said that he has made himself known to you so that you are without excuse. One-on-one evangelism. How do you think you can get to heaven? I've never really thought about it, but I've always thought of, you know, doing good. For more information, go to throughoutallages.com, like us on Facebook, or visit us at YouTube at Throughout All Ages. I'm Thanks for tuning in to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. My website's educateforlife.org. You can listen to a recording of this show or past shows. We've got all kinds of amazing shows up there. Uh, recently interviewed Dr. James Tor, scientist, one of the top 50 scientists in the world, who talks about evolution and how there's no evidence for it. Got all kinds of amazing stuff up there. My guest today is Mason Weaver, and uh, his website is Clarence A. Mason, uh, dot com, and he is uh, a pundit and somebody who... Uh, gives a perspective that you don't oft- often hear. It's a perspective from a, a conservative black Christian. And uh, he has a book uh, that he's written. Uh, it's okay to leave the plantation, the new underground railroad, as well as tribalism, truth right between the lies. And um, Mason, I was going to, I was going to ask you about this. So you, you're in the black Panthers, you're leaving. And I want to get to this book tribalism because yes. that's really interesting. Cause that's a novel. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. It's a novel. Yeah. So, um, and it's meant to be almost like a metaphor yep. about, okay, gotcha. so we'll get to that, okay. but you're, you're in the Black Panthers and then what happens when you finally decide to leave and, and, uh, change direction? I had a, an experience, a couple of experiences. First, understand I went to Vietnam first. Mm. I was older than most of these guys. I had seen the world and I, I'm understanding, I understand the anger. I was angry. Why God tried to kill me? Uh, a lot of racism in my past. I understood all that. Uh, but what the Black Panther Party brought the Paramount Theater in Oakland, downtown Oakland. Beautiful historical building theater. And I thought, okay, they're going to launch off into business. They're going to. So if you won the right, I was fighting for the civil right, the legal right to compete. Yeah. Not for special privileges. Why men didn't owe me nothing? I didn't, I didn't want anything from it. I wanted to be able to go downtown and work. And these people got the Paramount Theater, man. That was prestigious. They were going to go down there and do great things, bring in, bring in concerts. Went down there, man, a, a few weeks later with, with, with a, a young lady. 
I've been lying to get in in the lobby, this beautiful lobby, and for some reason they saw somebody they didn't like. The brothers saw somebody that did something wrong with him. In the middle of the theater lobby, they beat the guy down with a chair. Wow. That's just stupid. Yeah. You know, that's, I said, I don't want to be a thug. I'm not a thug. Yeah. You know, if the guy did you wrong, take him around back and stuff, but you're going to beat him in front of all these guests coming and paying you money to see this place. And then I was, I hung out at Jimmy's Clown Post, the unofficial headquarters of the Black Panther Party, where Huey Newton and, and his uh, bodyguard, uh, Lil John. Lil John was probably six foot nine. Uh, he, he can pound by 45. Uh, wow. I, 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 big guy. I remember one day he, he came to the pool table, playing pool. He reached over and, and he grabbed my, I had the, the pool ball in my hand yeah. and, and, and a stick. He grabbed my hand, the cue <laughs> stick, and the lock on pool, the, the, the pool ball. I, I'm, he said, uh, somebody want to see you. Yeah. I, I saw them do things that, they were a gang that stopped. Let's build this city up now. I'm, I'm ready to go and build something. I'm ready to, to make Oakland the new black capital, New Harlem. I was, and they were, they just wanted to, to hustle. Yeah. They want the, the, the crack cocaine start coming in. They, and, and, and Bobby Sid was a genius, still a genius. He was a follower. He was, he was a speaker. He was a person with the motivational, but Sid was a genius. And, and somehow he left the, the emotion he wanted to be the chief thug. Yeah. He ran for mayor a few years earlier, but by that time I was done. I was I was done, and nothing happened. I just you know I just faded away. They didn't, they 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 don't mind you leaving. Um, they had they had very little control at that time anyway. You you joined the Black Panthers. You had a ten list of ten things you agreed to do. Every one of those ten things, the leadership was not doing. Huh. You, you can't sell dope. They were selling dope. You can't use dope. They were using dope. Uh, you you can't misuse the women. They were beating their ladies in the corners. Everything it's not. I had enough of fake stuff. You just felt like there was a lot of hypocrisy going on. I, I want to, I want to conquer the world. I was fighting to earn money. Yeah. Once I had the civil rights to get a loan to buy a home, buy a business, I went to business. Yeah. I went to make money. Now, now, where does Christ come in in all this? What happened in your relationship with with uh, Jesus? Well, my father was a pastor. My, yeah. my grandfather was a pastor. Yeah. I I was not a Christian. But I knew enough about the scripture to know that these fools were lying about my God. Yeah. They were lying about so Well what I, lies were they telling? Oh, that, that the black man's God was Allah and Christianity enslaved us and that uh we are here worshiping the white Christ and and uh, uh or even worse, there is no God, it's just it's just your feelings, you know, you had the hippie movement at the same yeah, time. Yeah. So what, I mean I hear these lies today. I yes. mean it's still going on. Yes. Well, how is that perpetuated? Why does that keep going? Because people love the lie. No see people humans prefer the lie. Mm. They prefer the darkness. They will they will turn their back on the truth knowing it's true. Wow. And accept the lie knowing it's a lie. Give me a good example. Yeah. Jer- uh, 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 Jericho. Rahab told the spies, the men of the city's heart melts. Yeah, with fear. fear. Yeah. Okay? And they've seen what you have done to the kings out there and she said they know you serve the true and living God. Yeah. But they still fall against them. Yeah, it's okay? crazy. That's beyond crazy. Yeah. So so, <laughs> so today, I'm seeing people, I'm seeing, I, I, I started studying the scripture. Yeah. Okay, am I going to believe this Jesus stuff? Because my grandfather and my father were wise men. Yeah. They were wise, and they believed that a dead man came out the grave alive. They, they acted, I saw them in their home. They really believed this. Yeah. They weren't just saying it for TV. They weren't just saying it for the radio. They were really, really acting like they believed that a grown man lived 33 years and died dead as a donor and came out the grave alive. 
So I had to go, had to go look to see what drove them yeah. in poverty. So I'm studying these disciples. I'm a Berkeley grad. I'm going to school. I'm learning how to research. I can find this stuff out, you know. I had no use. Seek your fine. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> I started looking. I started looking, and one day I'm driving up from San Diego to Oakland at three o'clock in the morning, and in my, my injuries now. I wasn't supposed to be driving. My injuries, my legs and hips were crushed. I had to literally put my leg up into the car yeah. to drive. And when I wanted to go from, from the gas to the brake, I had to lift my legs up and go to the brake because I, I had no hip muscles up here. So I can do my feet on the gas and yeah. brakes. So I'm driving at 3 o'clock in the morning, and I'm analyzing all that I've learned about these disciples because something happened to them. Yeah. Something happened. They all of a sudden changed their mind. Yeah. And I, it finally dawned on me, I, I'm getting ready to believe. I'm, getting ready, I'm about to believe that Jesus Christ came out the grave. If I'm going to really, I mean, my, all the research aimed at that empty tomb. Everything in history aimed at the tomb is empty. He's gone. That's okay. right. So I'm sitting there saying, okay, am I going to accept as a fact that God Almighty was born a woman just for me? Am I, the creator of the universe came to earth for me, thinking of me by name. Yeah. He, can't, he allowed sinful men to beat him, to spit on him, to nail his body to the cross. For me, he allowed his sinless body to hang there and, and, and drain his precious blood on that cross and that ground, thinking of me. Mm. And, and he went into the grave for me and will come out for me and come back and call me by name out of my grave. Am I going to believe that? Am I going to believe that the creator of the universe did not compromise with me on their cross. Mm. And if I am, I have to recognize I can no longer compromise with him on the earth. Yeah. And that it, it was a it was an instant reaction to my acceptance. I mean, I'm driving the freeway yeah. and it felt like somebody pulled warm all over my body. It's like all of a sudden I said, okay, I'm gonna believe that. It's true, I gotta believe it. Yeah. I stopped for gas. Back during the time when you, you, you had gas, it's a 30 miles apart on yeah. fire going off <laughs> for your day. Yeah. So I got, I got up, went and got gas, paid for my gas, got back in my car, drove on the freeway. And I realized I had, had to take my legs to get out the car. I had to lift my leg. I didn't have to lift my leg to get the gas. I was healed instantly. Wow. And, and I drove home to my girlfriend, not my wife of 31 years. I drove home and told her, you got to change your last name or change your address. Yeah. We got something happening here. We got... God is real. Yeah. We got to act like he's real. Wow. And all that hatred for that white boy, I used to wake up seeing his face, that look on his face. Yeah, yeah. And I was going to take my hands and squeeze the look off his face. I now cannot think what the guy looks like. I cannot. Oh, that's supernatural. Instantly. Yeah. I cannot see him. I had to forgive him because Jesus Christ told the disciples that prayer, because the Lord's prayer. Yeah. He gave him the prayer, right? He went back and only covered one verse. He went back. Verse 15, came, went back and said, because if you don't forgive your trespassers, mm. your father never cannot forgive you. It was so important, yeah. he had to go back and explain it to them. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I said, okay, okay, God, I know I did a whole lot of things that only you and I know about, yeah. Black Panthers, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm going to have to ask you for forgiveness, but first I got I to do what? I got to got to forgive this dude? Yeah. Can I just slap him one time first? Can, yeah. I, can, I, just, can, can I just, I mean, because I, you know, I, I was so angry yeah. I went to Berkeley. He had 35,000 students at Berkeley, and I can't, most of them are white, and I cannot remember one white person's name at Berkeley. Not one white teacher. I can't remember nobody white at Berkeley. Yeah, That's because I was so evil. I was so angry. Uh, my family 
did not want to tell me that my brother was dating a white girl. That's how that's how mean I was. Yeah. And now she's his wife, and got, I got some great nephews and nieces, and and love them to death. But I was so angry. I was so aggressively angry that no one was to tell me, and that was hurting me more. What, what God showed me was that anger was heavier than two thousand eight hundred pounds of steel. Wow. What an incredible testimony. My guest today is Mason Weaver, and uh, an amazing testimony of just how God can not only transform your physical body, but he can transform your heart. Instantly. And uh, whatever you're feeling out there, if you're listening and you have uh, bitterness in your heart, you have something that you're struggling with and you can't forgive somebody, um, this is an amazing testimony that uh, Christ can do a supernatural work in our hearts. You saw riots all over America last year. Mm. One church shooting, you saw no riot. Mm. When that guy went in North Carolina for the purpose of killing black people. Yeah. That white racist went in there for the purpose and those black people the next day forgave him. Yeah, you that's... saw no riots. You saw no fights. You saw no anger. They did it God's way. Mm. And that's what would happen in America if white folks forgave black folks? What would happen if black folks forgave the police? What would happen if mama's baby daddy forgave the daddy? What would happen if you forgave the gang member? Mm. What would happen if you forgave the guy who left your mama? All, all we got to do is let God be God by us being his children and forgive. That's the only power we have. Wow. The only power. I was trying to get even all kind of ways. The only power I had was to forgive yeah. and let God heal my body, heal my brain. And I won a job with 2,400 applications for three jobs. I was the first black person ever, ever hired because my, I was healed. My mind was secured and, and, and he gave me vision. You mentioned what I've been going through for 40 years. All I've been doing is walk through the doors that God opens. And when God opens the door for you, it is always a challenge that always looks like Goliath. Yeah. Every time God call, God won't call you for a party. Yeah. <laughs> he ain't got to call you to do what you want to do. He calls you for something you would not do without the calling. And it's never something for you to do. It's something for you to show up and let God show who he is through you. Yeah. So when I go to places, when I go out to these people who hate me, I'm going to heal them. I'm going. It's, it's going to be a choice. I'm going to upset you, upset God. Yeah. So... Gee, what am I do? Yeah, exactly. So uh, that's interesting. I want to hear about that too. About um, you know this path that you've chosen. Uh, definitely, you're in a position of um, controversy. You're kind of this uh, name. Be a Christian who's not. Yeah, well, that's true. That's in true. America, yeah, in the world, on the planet Earth. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> when I get back, we're going to continue to talk to Mason Weaver and uh, stay with us. We're going to be right back. Hi, this is Jason Hall, president of Team Home Loans, a branch of Synergy One Lending. I just want to take this opportunity to thank Kevin Conover for the profound impact he's had on mine and my wife's spiritual life, as well as being an incredible teacher while our kids were his students. His knowledge and passion have taught us all how important it is to be defenders of our faith. It's our honor and privilege to support Kevin and his show. It is our sincere hope and prayer that you will continue to learn to be defenders of your faith through Kevin's radio show and through his Educate for Life teaching. Thank you, Kevin, from the Hall family and Team Home Loans. This is Throughout All Ages Ministry with Joe and Stacy. We would like to equip you to share the gospel with confidence in a biblical and effective way. We would like to teach you through the proclamation of the gospel. Whether you're the skeptic, God who created you said that he has made himself known to you so that you are without excuse. One-on-one evangelism. How do you think you can get to heaven? I've never really thought about it, but I've always thought of, you know, doing good. For more information, go to throughoutallages.com, like us on Facebook, or visit us at YouTube at Throughout All Ages. 
When you need tires or service, count on Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service in Oceanside for a full range of affordable options in all the brands you trust. See their great customer reviews and special offers online. Hours Tuesday through Friday, 7.30 to 5.30, and Saturdays, 7.30 to 5. Call Dan and his team at 760-439-1631. Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service, 2405 Oceanside Boulevard in Oceanside, 760-439-1631. Do you have one-button espresso machines in your home or business? They make delicious coffee drinks, but they're not maintenance-free. Express Fix Coffee is San Diego's source for coffee and espresso machine repair, sales, and service. Call Dave Martin at Express Fix Coffee for new and used espresso machines, repairs, parts, and accessories. They'll save you time and money. Call Express Fix Coffee at 619-867-3853. Learn more at ExpressFixCoffee.com. There's got to be more. Welcome to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. And uh, if you want to check us out on YouTube, you can, uh, you can see us here in the studio. And uh, we're videotaping. We're also on iTunes. And uh, my guest today is Mason Weaver. And he is a black conservative. He has an incredible history. And uh, Mason, you were just telling me while we were off the air that, that you actually got your own radio program here in the studio yeah. because during the Clarence Thomas uh, hearings when they were uh, deciding whether they were going to have him become a Supreme Court judge yes. or not. I told Clarence Thomas he was the father of the black conservative movement. He doesn't realize it. Mm-hmm. Sat there and watched that interview, and I, and I was asked by K-Praise Radio to come in and do a sales meeting, tape itself, I had a video recording business, and I was advertised on, on K-Praise. So they asked me to come in. I'm taping the sales meeting, and during the break, this guy walked up to me and said, hey, man, what do you think about the Clarence Thomas hearings? And I gave my answer. He said, I didn't know there were any black conservatives. So, so what mean, did you say? What did you say about I'm, the Clarence? I, just conservative value that Clarence Thomas was qualified. Every, every black person was saying, he's Uncle Tom. He's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, he's qualified. I'm excited about what he's going to do. His principles are correct. He's yeah. motivated by Christian values. And they said, ha, ha, ha. they're hyper Yeah. A black conservative. I said, I said, most of us are conservative, folks. Most black people are conservative. Most mm. of us are conservative. When you say most, what do you mean by that? 60% are conservative. Wow. On every survey you take. And that's on the issues you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, that, well, that's gonna be concerned about. You know, yeah. uh, uh, you know, picking cotton. I don't know. We, yeah, <laughs> you concerned, concerned on the issues, but you only see the radical, hateful groups on CNN, ABC, MSNBC. You, you see those who are angry. Most black folks, seventy five percent of black people live above the poverty level, mm. but you only see the ghetto dwellers talking about gimme, gimme, gimme. Yeah. So you think in your mind, you think that all black folks are like what you see portrayed on television. Well, what about the idea that the that most uh, blacks vote Democrat. Most, and forty percent vote, and sixty percent do not vote. Oh, okay. Hmm. They and you're right. They vote Democrat because uh, because the sixty percent are in, involved in this this lie. They they think Republicans hate them. They know Democrats hate them. They think Republicans hate them, so they don't vote. They don't, they don't vote either way. What you got to do as Republicans? Stop, please, Republicans. Stop trying to reach out. At black folks. Hmm. If you had restarted me in 1969, yeah. you'd have drew back a bloody nub. Yeah. <laughs> okay, there was no reaching out to me. My job was to cut your head off. I, mean, I hated you. How are you going to, what can Obama do to get me to vote Democrat? Nothing. So why do you think we can go and talk to these people? What we got to do is, is open the door like Republicans did in the 1860s. The Underground Railroad allowed black folks who wanted to leave to find a safe way to freedom. Mm. Right Today, you got abused women who will fight the police when you show up, 
will stab you if you come and arrest her husband. You got to wait until three o'clock in the morning when she gets tired of this dude and pour hot grease on him and grab the kids and run out the door with her pajamas on. You had better have a safe house already built. Mm. If you want black folks to leave where they are, you must have those who, who want to go a place to meet you and talk to you. We should be preaching the values in the black community. I'm going to start doing TV commercials in the on urban radio in the black community as a black entrepreneur, my own money qu- questions like what have Democrats done for you that you want more of? Mm. What have they done? They own every ghetto in America. They own every inner city school, every inner city school board, every inner city city council, yeah. every inner city judge. Yeah. And you are complaining to white folks about what's going on in your community. What have they done? You want more of? Mm. And you, that's, and that's the message that's got to be conveyed. That's the only to- one that works. Okay. The only one that works. See, see, the abused woman knows she's abused, and she will support the abuser. The prostitute knows she's been abused, but every single night she makes enough money for a plane ride back home. She don't go, though, because mm. she thinks of herself as a prostitute, and you can't do anything for her until she gets tired of that lifestyle and want to go somewhere else. So really, this is just about um, Biden, Biden your time and just taking advantage of the opportunities that, that uh every, every black conservative who was a liberal, everyone I've known in my life, my, my nephew, Eddie Cage back in St. Louis, black thug gang member, 19 years old, cannot read. Yeah. He had to teach himself to read. Once he read, he became a conservative. But he had to first teach himself to read. Well, nobody's going to teach him to read. It wasn't no program going to help him. Now he's he was an ex-black Muslim, ex-black, ex-gang member. I mean, a real gang member. Yeah. Uh, but now he's a six foot two, three hundred pound, fearless black conservative. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to argue with a man who's shot away five pounds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and what about the the black churches? What about um, <laughs> what about what about? Don't ask me. That you want to answer now? Okay. Don't ask me. Can't, can't. Come on, buddy. I do. I do. Okay. I, what's, what's your okay, question? So when we come back, <laughs> we, we had to go short because you, you talked what's a lot last time. So what? we got to go short. I want to talk about. I want to talk about black churches when you come back. And um, that, everybody duck now. <laughs> All right. Okay, we'll be right back. Mason Weaver is my guest, and his website is masonweaver.com. He attempted to go with ClarenceMason.com, but we're switching back to <laughs> Clarence Mason, a. Mason Weaver. That doesn't matter. Yeah, Ma- just... MasonWeaver.com. Okay, we'll be right back. For 36 years, Fastlane Kayaking has helped people like you experience everything that's great about San Diego. Fastlane makes fishing and water sports fun and easy. Hobie Cat kayaks feature a popular pedal system, not paddles, keeping your hands free as you fish. You no longer need to tow and gas up a boat to experience great San Diego fishing. Call or come in for your no-charge demo ride, 619-222-0766, fastlanesailing.com. At Dana Landing Marina across from SeaWorld, 619-222-0766. Hi, this is Jason Hall, president of Team Home Loans, a branch of Synergy One Lending. I just want to take this opportunity to thank Kevin Conover for the profound impact he's had on mine and my wife's spiritual life, as well as being an incredible teacher while our kids were his students. His knowledge and passion have taught us all how important it is to be defenders of our faith. It's our honor and privilege to support Kevin and his show. It is our sincere hope and prayer that you will continue to learn to be defenders of your faith through Kevin's radio show and through his Educate for Life teaching. 
teachings. Thank you, Kevin, from the Hall family and Team Home Loans. Hi, I'm Marissa Conover, and I would love to help you buy or sell your home. I've worked as a realtor for more than 13 years, and as a San Diego native, my passion and experience will help make your move as peaceful as can be. Call me at 619-251-1577. That's 619-251-1577. Or visit Conover homes.com I will cast my cares on you Welcome to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. My website's educateforlife.org. My ministry uh, is meant to help young people uh, establish the truth, uh, get the answers to their questions about the fact that the Bible is God's Word. There is no other book in the world like it, um, and there's nothing that can change the world like the Bible. And uh, my guest today is a testimony to that fact. He went from somebody who was very angry because of the pains and struggles he's had in his life, and Jesus Christ supernaturally not only uh, changed his heart to be able to forgive somebody who tried to kill him, but also uh, healed his body and his mind, and uh, incredible. You know, know, on that subject, you know, the white guy tried to kill me. Mm -hmm. I was young, athletic, had a great career, blah, 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 and I ended up on that hospital bed. But, but, But years later, I asked God, why did it happen? Why? I kept praying. Why did it? Because it, it changed everything I was doing. Yeah. And he, God reminded me, you know, he had been, he gave me a skill. I don't know, if, I don't understand the skill, this this verbal stuff that I do. I don't understand it, but it makes people change what they're doing. And it's obvious from God, because, you know, sure God has a good sense of humor. I yeah. stutter and I speak too fast. Yeah. But he still makes me a speaker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so he said, he reminded me, he didn't say, he reminded me, he had been tapping me on my shoulders since I was a young man. I got something for you to do. I got something for you to do. I was too busy running women, having fun, young cars, and, I, and he kept. I got something. I got a minute. Let me get a minute. Yeah. And he finally laid me on a hospital bed. I could barely breathe. I had to whisper because my vocal cords hurt my back. Yeah, I can't I imagine whisper. that. I had to have a bowl of soup in my chest with a straw because I couldn't eat anything solid. Looking up the ceiling and maybe look at my toes. All I could do that's my exercise for the day. Look at the ceiling. Look at my toes. And God said, got some time now? Yeah. Can we talk? <laughs> got something you going to do? Yeah. Sometimes that's what God does to slow us down, right? He laid me on my back so that he can get my attention. And when I gave him the attention, he lifted that weight off of me. Wow. He said, now go do what I told you to do. And it's really simple. Tell the truth and go home. That's my, my ending line here at K-Praise. I'm here to tell the truth and go home. I don't care who I hurt, who feels <laughs> hurt. So ask me about the black church. Okay, Come on. yeah. So tell me, what's going on with the black church? Wow. The black church used to be the frontal part of the slave movement, the anti-slave movement, the abolitionist movement, all started in the black church. Yeah. The only place slaves could gather without white men being present was the church on Sunday morning. It was, the, and it was the place that you gathered to learn how to escape plantation. Today, the church is the managers of the plantation. The black church has no men in it except homosexual men in the choir. It has women only looking for husbands. And it's ineffective. The churches, and every time Republicans want to go to the black community, they go to the pastors. That's like going to the drug dealer about a drug rehab program. Whoa. It doesn't matter. You, there is no, there is of no effect. If God is really God, then either the black church is ungodly or, 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 or God's not God. Because they're, they're, they're sitting there doing nothing but business. In St. Louis, Michael Brown's funeral, the biggest black church in St. Louis, the pastor has a Bentley and a Rolls Royce. 
Oh, wow. And the people in this neighborhood are dirt poor, broke the Ten Commandments. So the black church is ineffective, lost its salt, lost its fire. Mm-hmm. It has nothing since the civil rights movement, but do nothing but protecting master's territory. They protect the welfare. They protect the, the poverty pimps. That's what I call them poverty pimps. They protect the infrastructure that keep people in slavery. And there are some good black churches, but overall, the black churches in the black community are more negative than positive. It is time that we stop preaching business and start preaching salvation. Mm. In L.A., 1990s, first AME church, fame, first AME church, led led eight other churches on AIDS Friday. It passed out 10,000 condoms in church to children. Whoa. Condoms and lubrication. First, that church itself passed out 10,000 condoms. When I called the pastor, they asked him, are you crazy? Yeah. On (laughs) K-Praise. I called him. He said that he was was simply trying to keep kids from getting AIDS. And I said, you mean you found a safe way to sin? Yeah, jeez. Ten. That's passing out drug needles, right? So the the church is the big problem. The church in the black community is anti-freedom. So if you want to free black folks, people say the black church has, has, um, they have uh, um, some kind of influence. Your black pastor can't get anybody in the community to do anything. If the black pastor had influence, Nike shoes would pay the pastor for the endorsement. Mm. They paid entertainers for the endorsements. So, so what do we do? I, I, I'm kind of like, you said that, you said uh, we have to just look at the opportunities that arrive. That person has to want to, to break free. You go to, God told us to go and tell the gospel, not to convince them. Mm. Tell them, not to convince them. Let whosoever will come to you. We're trying to get them. We think our job is to get as many folks in church. What happens when you get a whole lot of folks joining your, your, your organization or yeah. your church? Yeah. What happens? Your church becomes weaker. Yeah. Because now you've got all these people that don't you. actually believe. you got a, you got a liberal donor. Yeah. you got some homosexual choir director. Yeah. And you have lost your, your power. Mm. We should only be filling our churches and our community organizations and the Republican Party with God-fearing, eager to go and please God people. Instead, we got folks that want to water down the message. You cannot compromise with the word of God. Once you got a, a, a bottle of clear water and a bottle of muddy water, any compromise makes the clear water muddy. One oh. drop makes it muddy. We're supposed to be standing as the light on the hill. Mm-hmm. We're down there with the mud. Yeah. So I'm saying to folks, I don't want to go in the hood to rescue you. But if you want to be rescued, we're coming and get you. But I'm not going to come and argue with Pukin Ray Ray about whether or not he should be free or not. Mm. That makes me Pukin Ray Ray. It's about sharing the gospel, not about convincing somebody yes. of, of any kind of political I, position. Even, even convince them of the gospel. I'm not going to convince you of the gospel. You've got to answer. Jesus Christ did not answer every question because every question wasn't a question. Mm-hmm. Some sometimes was, it was just an excuse. A, an accusation yeah. sometimes. Yeah. So he gave an answer to every man seeking the answer. But these fools he didn't argue with. Yeah. And when Christ came out that grave, I don't I don't know. I don't see any evidence in the Bible that he ever appeared before an ungodly person again. Wow. He was done with them. Yeah, that's a powerful message. You stabbed me, you stuck me on, on, on a tree. Well, I'm doing I'm through with you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Those who have ears to hear, yes. you know, they, they hear. They hear it. Yeah. They want to hear it. Who reached me? Yeah. Jesus Christ on Highway Five, northbound, three thirty in the morning, reached me. Wow. It wasn't any Event. I knew preachers all over the country. It wasn't a preacher. It wasn't a song. It wasn't a message. It was me seeking God. Mm. I want to know for tired, sure. Tired of sin. Tired. Yeah. Well, Mason, thanks you so much for being on the air today. Um, 
man, you're a huge blessing and uh, glad you could be here in San Diego. Nice to be back home again, man. You yeah. brought it back to Capri. Yeah. Don't believe this. Come on now. <laughs> it's fantastic. <laughs> well, um, well, MasonWeaver.com, please check it out. His book, um, It's Okay to Leave the Plantation. He's got a powerful message. Check him out on Facebook. You can follow him anywhere else online. They can follow you. Everywhere online. Twitter, online. YouTube. Okay. I got hundreds of videos, conversations. Okay. Um, I'm just telling the truth and go home, buddy. That's a- all I'm doing. Amen. What a great message. Okay. Well, I hope you enjoyed the show today, those of you out there listening. Uh, have a fantastic Saturday. We'll be back again soon with uh, some other fantastic guests. I got uh, Doug Petrovich coming up real soon. Just found out the, the oldest language in the world, and he has actually uh, now has archaeological evidence for Moses, Joseph, and Manasseh, Joseph's son, uh, once again proving that the Bible is historically true, spiritually t- true, scientifically true, psychologically true. Uh, you can't beat it. Uh, give your heart to Jesus if you haven't yet. Uh, and then Man. invest your time in knowing the Word of God because it'll change your life. God bless you. For eternity. Did you miss part of today's program? Don't worry, we're committed to helping you get the info you need. Okay, that was dumb. But for real, visit EducateForLife.com for podcasts and video recordings of the show and to sign up for the School of Unshakable Faith. Leave us your comments, compliments, questions, or concerns at 800-243-9719 or email KevCon at EducateForLife.com. That's K-E-V-C-O-N at EducateForLife.com. You will always be much more to me. Every day I wrestle with the voices that keep telling me I'm not right, but that's alright, cause I